0: I hope you're in the mood for a bit of an adventure because today we're heading to the Middle East and the city that we're visiting, well, it's a place that tends to surprise people. You may be expecting souks and lots of sunshine, but what you're also going to find here is Bauhaus buildings, glorious beaches, and even some lively street art. Hello, I'm Uti Yonka, and on today's episode of Walk the World, we're off to Tel Aviv. Tel Aviv is one of those places that's not quite like anywhere else, which is what makes it so exciting. Even its origin story is kind of quirky. After all, how many other cities do you know that started life as a suburb? The story goes like this. Unlike, say, Jerusalem. Tel Aviv is not one of those cities with thousands of years of history. Its official founding date is 1909, which is when a Jewish community bought some land on the sand dunes outside the city walls of Jaffa. Now, Jaffa is a really ancient city dating back 4000 years. But Tel Aviv was always planned to be a different sort of settlement, a modern hygienic place based on Central European cities like Warsaw and Odessa. Now, 1909 is, of course, long before the establishment of Israel. So at the time, this was part of the Ottoman Empire. But what happens is that this new settlement continues to grow, particularly in the 30s, when lots of Jews are fleeing Europe and they're settling in Tel Aviv rather than Jaffa, which is Arab dominated. And it's these refugees that literally help shape the city, as we're about to discover. So our walk starts on one of Tel Aviv's main drags, Rothschild Boulevard, which is also one of the first streets that was laid out in this new settlement. The original plan was to have an ordinary street, but there was a problem, namely a dry riverbed that ran down the street. So instead, they turned it into a boulevard, one lane of traffic running on either side of that riverbed. And that's now been planted with trees and is dotted with lots of kiosks where you can stop and enjoy a coffee. Now, the boulevard also has its share of generic big city architecture, but it has some real gems. And these come courtesy of those German refugees I mentioned. Many of them were architects who had been trained in what was then the latest style, a distinctive look with undecorated surfaces and flat roofs and ribbon windows, a look that we know as Bauhaus. So thanks to these refugees, Tel Aviv has the largest collection of Bauhaus buildings anywhere in the world. There are more than 4,000 of them. And they've scored their own UNESCO World Heritage listing. There's a whole clutch of them on this street, particularly sort of the stretch between numbers 61 and say number 120. My favourite is probably number 82, which is a three storey apartment where the horizontal lines are dominant, except for what's known as a thermometer window. And that's basically the windows of the stairwell, which stretch up the entire three storeys and look kind of like a thermometer. It looks pretty cool. So from here, we're going to head west up Mazze Street and dogleg onto Balfour Street, which runs parallel. I love these streets because they have such splendid buildings and they speak of a time when there was so much confidence and energy here. So from here, we're going to head west up Mazze Street and dogleg onto Balfour Street, which runs parallel. I love these streets because they have such splendid buildings, all of which speak of a time when the city was filled with energy and confidence. People built their houses in a range of styles. You'll find the pared back Bauhaus look beside a proud neoclassical number, complete with columns. I really like the house at number 44 Balfour Street because its decoration is such a contrast to Bauhaus. It has these ornate moldings and embossed window frames. And originally I believe there was even some stained glass involved. It was kind of like, let's throw it all up and see what sticks. Where we're headed, however, is Markt, or Shukha Kamel, the city's busiest street market. Now, this is a bit more what you expect from a Middle Eastern city. It's chaotic and it's crowded and it's lots of fun. But the reason we're here is the food. There are plenty of produce stalls and they're especially busy on Thursdays and Fridays with families buying the ingredients for the big Shabbat dinner on Saturday. But it's the hot food stalls that I really love. A lot of them specialise in just one food and that's all they do. So one place will serve hummus, another will serve baklava, that sort of thing. But there's a lot of delicious stuff here you may never have tried before, like bone marrow soup made with chickpeas, or Drew's Pita, which is Almost more of a crepe than a pita, or Yemeni bread, which is this buttery, layered flatbread that is just so Moorish. When you've had your fill here, we're going to head south on the pedestrianised Nahalat Bin Yamin, which was once Tel Aviv's longest street. Lots of cafes, lots of beautiful architecture, more Bauhaus buildings. And on Tuesdays and Fridays, there's a big craft market, which is really worth checking out. You'll find glassware and chopping boards made from olive wood and jewellery, all that kind of thing. Also, keep an eye out for a boutique hotel here called The Prince. In the evenings, the rooftop is a nice place to just chill and hang out in a laid back kind of atmosphere. Now we're going to veer southwest to Nevitsedek, which is Tel Aviv's oldest neighborhood. In fact, it predates the city by more than two decades, dating all the way back to 1887 which is when a number of Jewish families settled here. This is one of Tel Aviv's most popular neighbourhoods because it's so atmospheric, with its narrow streets and its low slung buildings packed with boutiques and galleries. It's one of those places where just wandering is a delight because there's always something worth seeing around the next corner. And one of the things I love most about Nevet Tzedek is that it's one of those great urban resurrection stories. Back in the 60s, this was a slum neighbourhood, and the authorities were very keen to tear it down and build a bunch of skyscrapers here. Fortunately, that plan was defeated, and a restoration program began in the 80s that turned it into the haven that it is today. Right at the end of Neve main street, Shabazi Street, is Hatachana. Now, this building used to be the end terminus for the Jaffa to Jerusalem Railway, but now it houses a nice collection of bars, restaurants, and shops. Including a place called Made in Tel Aviv, where you can buy all kinds of things from clocks to belts, all of which have been made by local designers. So from here, we could continue on into the neighboring Florentine area, which is something of a hipster hangout and also worth taking a look at. But we've already covered a lot of territory today. So instead, we're going to do as the locals do and head to the beach. One thing the city has done really well is to put a long boardwalk running alongside its kilometres of sandy beach so you can stroll as far as your legs are willing to take you. The beaches shade into each other, but you'll notice the change in vibe as you go along. Some are family friendly, others are dominated by exercises and so on. There's also plenty of bars and restaurants along here, so whenever you run out of puff, you can simply call it a day and settle in for some refreshment. Just before you do though, there's one more thing I want to show you. So we're going to go just a little way away from the beach to Hayakon Street, which is the headquarters of Tel Aviv's most famous street artist, Rami Maeri. You'll find his stuff dotted right around town. He tends to paint either faces that appear to sort of burst through walls or figures that at first glance seem to be real. And they're interacting with actual walls and rooftops and street features. With several of his murals along this street, I mean, why wouldn't you practice in your own backyard? It's a great place to check out some of his work. Thank you for joining me today on this virtual stroll through Tel Aviv, and I hope we'll do it again sometime. You can find more episodes of Walk the World on my website, uttayonka.com.au, or wherever you download your favourite podcast. Hope to catch you next time on Walk the World.